Welcome to the book study chat around teaching readers not reading, moving from moving beyond skills and strategies to reader focused instruction. This is by Dr. Peter Atherbach. <clears throat> and we are through the part one of the book, the first five chapters. And I want to welcome uh, two uh, educators um, with us today. We have Belinda White. And she is out of New Zealand. And we have Sally Rollins, and she is um, out of Tasmania. Um, and uh, just, do you wanna say anything about yourselves um, before we get started? Let's start with Belinda. Um, hi, I am, uh, I'm a resource teacher of literacy. So I actually don't have my own classroom. Um, I go around a whole lot of different schools and I usually am teaching those who are the lowest in literacy um, in my area. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I um, have, uh, I've done some master's level study um, uh, and I, yeah, I just, I love being well-informed and reading lots of research and articles and yeah, knowing, knowing what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So you get, you get the, the benefits, I think of not administration, but um, you get to see a lot of different environments and yeah, um, yeah. context. Yeah. Cool. All right, Sally, you want to share um, about your work um, at more um, kind well, of a higher actually, level? Yeah, I'm actually retired now mm -hmm. and um, started my career as a math science teacher because I have reading issues. And um, in the last 20 years of my career, I focused on early childhood literacy and particularly those that struggle um, with reading and writing and making sure that there was the reciprocity um, um, considered. Um, and then in more recent times, in the last six years, I've been working at a departmental sort of policy research level um, for the Tasmanian government system. Mm. <laughs> I love that word reciprocity. I think I've thought of that word as I read Peter's book too, with just how one science benefits the other. And so we have someone who's um, kind of at three different levels in this group, um, you know, although I'm in the classrooms too, but um, um, so it's good to have these different perspectives. So, and my name is Matt Renwick and I am a principal in Wisconsin. I used to teach upper elementary for seven years and this is my 16th year in school administration. So I've been at secondary level, elementary level, and I just found that kids are kids and they all want to do well and they all want to be uh, not just effective learners, but they want to um, just be engaged and identify in that way too. So uh, we have three questions, but we'll see where it goes. And we are not married to them by any means. But the first question, and I like to start positively, and I'm whether I'm talking with a teacher or um, with a group, is just what's how have you successfully integrated the different sciences when teaching readers? And just to clarify, in Peter's book, he, he, how I've seen it is he's created a framework of there's the cognitive science, so the skills and strategies, what most curriculum programs have, and I think what the science of reading really focuses on almost exclusively. But then you have the affective science, which is motivation, um, engagement, and um, 
yeah, just that that want to read and want to write and want to speak, listen. And then there's the, I hope I'm saying this correctly, the cognitive science, which is more self-efficacy and um, attribution theory, where we have these successes over time and we start to identify as readers and writers. So there's identity, engagement, and skills and strategies, the different sciences. So anyway, um, yeah, but where, where have you found success integrating two or even all three? Um, I, I found that word cognitive was actually quite a new word for me as well. So I'm still learning that one. Um, <laughs> uh, I find it really, I find it really strange to think about separating the sciences actually out because for me mm. it's the whole thing like you can't um I think it's it would be a very rare child that you could teach to read without having um engaging them in texts or uh, or anything like that I think if you uh, yeah I mean I, I teach struggling readers so I always have to kind of really try and fit in with what is going to work for them and so it's always different you know there's there's definitely similarities you know that they're, they're often um struggling with decoding i mean that that's very true and that can be the thing that they need to, to build them up so there's heaps of phonics that we do and talking about word parts and and going through like that and and high frequency words um but if i don't make sure that uh they want to read the book they're excited about it or or what they're writing um then yeah i'm i'm lost so mm -hmm. I, I find it really strange to think that you could ever try and separate them mm -hmm. <laughs> i think is my thing like i just don't understand mm -hmm. how that could work yeah and i don't and think it does <laughs> yeah particularly the the self-efficacy because if the, if the child can't see their success and what they're getting out of their reading or oh, and that goes back to Afflebach's um uh, uh reader discussing the reader rather than the reading um I, I, th I think it's critical and then that implies the skill of the teacher because if mm. you can't pitch your lessons with enough enough challenge to keep them engaged but still motivated uh, you know um I think it's pretty key yeah it's that thing of being um as a teacher uh being always you know you're always looking at the the thing ahead of the game like you're always um and that's why I don't think it um uh, I'm not a big fan of like a linear progression either like if a child needs um to have you know this then then you do that you know like um and you always have to be aware of uh, where are we going to next yeah what's the next thing um mm -hmm. and knowing when is the right time to bring something in you know um mm -hmm. yeah so so you're always looking at the whole picture and what can i do next to make it work for this kid yeah and i think in chapter four um it's Peter, isn't it? I'll talk, talk about him as Peter. Um, when, when he started talking about tests, and I think mm -hmm. that's why we get bogged down in the skills and strategies because that's testable. Yep. And we can put a number on it or, or rank kids. And, and it, it does concern me that 
and then you, you flip into a deficit model rather than looking at the positives looking forward and tailoring things for for groups of students that are, mm -hmm. are flexible mm. yeah yeah there just seems to be a opportunity cost anytime we try to divert to you know meet the kids needs because then we feel like we're behind in the curriculum and so and so across the hallway is on lesson nine i'm on lesson seven but I might be actually more effective for the kids who need me to be there, but it doesn't look that way on the surface, you know. Um, and we may end up with these other students that are maybe are struggling, you know, they might not make as much, as many gains or still get to a level that we're expected to get them at because, but they may have made tons of gains, but it doesn't always reflect on these, you know, more simple assessments. Um, I just had a teacher, this will be my example, I guess, is uh, um, our one of our fifth grade teachers really worked with a student who <clears throat> had some reading difficulties and trying to get him into a series, find a series that he really liked. And she just worked with him um, consistently. And he actually didn't really find a series until we went to middle school. And so then we're just hearing news about it. Like this kid is just reading, you know, all the time. And, and it was because he, I think because the teacher just by introducing him to different series, she showed him that he she believed that he could read these things, that he could be engaged. And so, but that doesn't again show up on a number. You know, we haven't we didn't you know get those benefits from the test or what you know or whatever. And but now he's a super engaged reader, and because he's reading a lot, you know, I bet it out a dollar his scores are going to go up. You know, yeah. but. It's just so hard to measure that you never know when it's going to click for a kid. And and I, I like that idea of, you know, like having the belief that they can do it. So like uh, I, I quite often will have students who, yeah, do really bad on, really badly on, on testing, um, mm. but then they can read and they are reading. Um, so it's like, what is what is more important is it that they get this testing result or that they become readers you know and mm -hmm. and it because the reading is what's going to make the difference okay sure it would be great if they could show it in the test as well but but that's one that's one aspect of reading you know that's that's one thing um yeah it's um yeah well i mean that's a good segue i think to the second question um, which is, uh, what is it about the science of reading movement that has captured people's attention? What's true within SOR um, and its narrow definition? I just, I bring that up. I was going back through chapter four about the testing and and there was a, a, a commentary from Alperbach about some of these uh, stories that get published. Uh, parents and relatives this is on page 43. Parents and relatives provide emotional, sometimes wrenching and tearful description of, descriptions of children's inability to read and the children's related alienation, frustration, and diminished esteem, self-esteem. Again, the science of reading is invoked to bolster the claim that when students receive intensive phonics instruction, reading problems are solved. <laughs> um, and we were just talking about that prior to that, you know, is this even journalism you know because they're they just they really show one side of the story um 
you know, and they don't bring up all the other factors that can influence um, these situations. So, but, you know, again, trying to find the truth maybe in any of this, is there any truth to, you know, or is there something we should be paying attention to and reflecting on and thinking, maybe I should be more um, cognizant of this or do better in this area within that, within that cognitive science, I guess. Sally, what do you think? What Belinda said earlier, um, because when I got to the end of, when I read these questions um, and, and I've been trying to read really broadly and um, picking up both sides of, of the movement and um, it depends what you think reading is. Wow. And if you think reading is getting the word, like definitions just in the science of reading, what is the science of reading? Because often, you know, I'm reading the papers in the International Literacy Association and, and they're from all sorts of perspectives and, that, and really helpful for my thinking. Um, but then often it just means simple view. Like, so, and then you sort of have to read it again to think, well, yeah, what are we talking about here? Mm. And then as well as um, just, just, I, you've just got to keep asking, well, what are you talking about? What do we want yeah. here? It comes back to what you were saying, you know, is it just about getting it right? And particularly our concern, you know, we're doing okay to um, grade uh, three, which is about a nine-year-old. Um, so I'm not sure of the equivalent. Um, and then things start breaking down because, you know, we, we can get the kids reading the print uh, decoding but it's it's what's next with complex text and the and the comprehension yeah. because there's been that like um with the, the teachers need more support around differentiating what what's what decoding mm -hmm. versus comprehension and what's instruction and challenging texts because that's the other dilemma with the science of reading some the, the texts um complexity over time um, can sometimes not allow them to be exposed to vocab and complex grammatical structures and um, build their prior knowledge and all those other key things that we know really help to build the reader. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, I think it's interesting that this is happening at, uh, it's playing out very kind of similarly in different parts of the world. I find that kind of interesting. Mm. It's like, why is it that in America this is happening and Australia this is happening and Britain, like what is in New Zealand? Like, it's, it's interesting that this is playing out. It's like, yeah, I, and, and yeah, man, the, the media really grab hold of it. <laughs> And I love it. It's they're kind of it's very sensationalist, you know. Like they love it that our readers are failing and blah blah blah. And but I think that they're pointing to something that's very. It's it's a simple thing that like if that was the problem, it would be fixed already. Like, right, like with reading if, first, if that was right? What was really ago. the problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be fixed already. But you're not addressing things like poverty um you're not addressing uh what's another one uh oh digital Trauma. devices are huge mm -hmm. like um 
what kid like there aren't many kids that are going to actually want to read rather than play a game on you you know the right. internet like it's just it's a it's a different world that we live in and you've got kids who have massive needs you know like i'm working in a new entrance class so they're five-year-olds there is massive amount of need you know that you you have to kind of like holistically really get to know these kids and build on what they've got before you can even expect them to do anything you know that that is uh reading or learning related and if i was just to i don't know just to teach them oh well, i'm just going to do this i'm going to go i'm going to teach them s and then i'm going to teach them a you know like or sat pin or whatever you i don't know i just don't think that's fair on them <laughs> like it's it removes the joy of of learning to read i don't know yeah. um yeah but but it is a valid point it, i mean yeah absolutely they do they need this knowledge of course but i mm -hmm. i don't think it's a, 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 a if they need the knowledge it's a how and yeah mm -hmm. i think it's just too simplistic to say that let's just teach phonics and it will work but yeah i uh yeah. i would say the one and i appreciate what you all are sharing here um with um as sally said what you know depends on what you think reading is and, and melinda you're pointing out just you know phonics is just one part um foundational reading skills but um i would say that one truth to this is i don't think it's always been taught i know it's not been taught consistently in schools you know yeah. it, part of that is the um issue with programs and then just putting a program a curriculum program in a school and then just letting teachers well, you know, give you a couple of days training, and then you're just follow the curriculum. Well, you know, if you taught for any amount of time, you'll know the further you go down that curriculum and follow it like a script, you're going to lose kids. You're going to lose the kids that need your support the most. And then it just keeps coming back to, and then one teacher or a team will say, well, this curriculum isn't working because they weren't knowledgeable, right? And as you were saying before, um, so they throw it out and they start, you know, piecemealing a curriculum together that's not great either. And um, so that's one thing I, in our own school we focused on is bringing in a, um, a curriculum resource, but really focusing on the PD side of things and really, yeah. really telling teachers, like you were saying, not telling, um, got, you know, facilitating conversation that um, do not follow this step by step. You know, you've got to think non-linearly. And think about how you can combine lessons, put it in context. So this morning I was in a kindergarten room and one student was writing a letter to veterans. And so he wanted to write, thanks, thank you. And, and he's like, well, I know the first two letters, TH. And he made the sound with his you know, mouth. And I said, that's it. And he's like, and he pointed at the sound wall. Um, but then he was writing for a veteran, you know, and that's kind of goes back to the first question is, you know, it's um, got to integrate it with, purpose and meaning and audience and um seeing ourselves as readers and writers so and i think that's um, what kids especially want at the moment like mm -hmm. uh you know you sometimes you know i say oh my gosh there's 18 or 19 kids in this new entrance class which mm -hmm. eight, 19 five-year-olds is huge right and and then you have somebody say oh i had 36 back in the day and you're like but it's different like it's so different kids are like they're, they're desperate for for meaning and and authenticness now you know in a way that they used to sit down and 
do what they were told a, a lot more, which, you know, I think it's great that they don't necessarily do that anymore, even though it makes life a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, you're totally right. I think um, a professional knowledge of, of the teacher has somehow changed as well. Like uh, there are so many teachers I know who didn't know about phonics things. I mean, in my, I've been teaching, you know, 15 or so years, uh, and I didn't learn to read with phonics and I so I just was really lucky and I learned to read mm-hmm. and I remember trying to tell my students that a Y at an end of a word made a Y sound <laughs> like it's embarrassing to think back but you know like I didn't know stuff so like you have mm-hmm. to know stuff <laughs> yeah you do have yeah. to know stuff and I think it's about building I like the way you it sounds like you're building up your teacher's capability and their their professionalism Yes, and I think when you follow a script, any script, you're you're dumbing down your teachers. You know, you're making them stop be being inquiring people, which is what yeah. we need. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's we're losing out on so much potential and 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 joy. You know, as you were saying before too, um, was brought up, and that's what the joy of teaching is to see the kids transfer and take that to authentic experiences and then you mentioned um you kind of talked about here too the when you admit it you know you acknowledge that you know the way you might have taught before was not always accurate and that kind of goes into the last question here is what have you found effective in discussing these topics with colleagues that leads to productive conversations and i think what you just did there melinda is spot on is just saying hey yeah here's what i thought and I realized this wasn't, you know, effective and I learned and now it's what I know now, but that's the approach I've had to take, I think, when I've worked with um, colleagues who, you know, are, are, are more so aligned with, you know, a more s- s- narrow definition of what science of reading is. And then, like you were saying, Sally, is just ask questions. What do you mean by that? Um, when you say... Um, this, you know, what is your understanding of that? And um, that seems to seems to open it up. I think for myself, when I've been challenged most by a situation, it's helped me learn more because mm-hmm. I've had to think more deeply about it and be more reflective of my practice and how it connected to what I see my students doing. And then then the next thing you get a different student and that throws the theory out the door, you know, like yeah. it's, it's that um, ability to be reflective and then responsive to students. So therefore you need to have a really big repertoire of skill and knowledge mm. to be able to do that. And, and you only get that by talking to your colleagues and, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it, schools need to set up situations where it makes it easier for those mm-hmm. things to happen because schools are very busy places. Yes. Teachers have got a lot of balls in the air at the same time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what structures or routines have you seen that have been effective to promote and, and actually encourage conversation that leads to sharing of ideas and less debate about who's right and who's wrong? In Tasmania, we a lot of schools a number of years ago um, brought in um, professional learning communities, professional learning teams. So time is set aside for year level teachers to sit together and 
use student data. So, you know, put a group of students in the, yeah. at the center of the conversation with evidence about what they're seeing and then, well, what do we need to do about this? Or, you know, and, and that's not just talking about the low kids because we need to make our B's A's and make our C's, you know, we need to hold those that are doing well and not let them disengage from their learning because it's too easy. Um, so um, that, that's been a really big move for a lot of schools, but mm -hmm. we also have a lot of little schools and it's hard to do when I'm the only, I've got a prep one too, yeah, I sort mm -hmm. of, um, three grade levels, yeah. So, um, the, so the department does try to do things like that. We've been putting a lot of videos, information online for, for teachers that are easy access. And um, we have coaches in every school, literacy coaches and wow. numeracy coaches in some, yeah. That's huge. It depends on the size of the school. It's been a huge mm -hmm. commitment. Um, yeah, I couldn't and imagine. is that just in Tasmania? Or is that Australia-wide? No, it's just Tasmania. Yeah. Mm. So it is in some other states. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, a, a coach can be kind of the mediary or whatever you'd want to call it, the intermediary, I guess, but someone who can, uh, teachers can feel like they can approach more readily and be open about their challenges versus talking to a principal. Um, mm. You know, and that coach can then work with the principal and say, here's what I'm hearing. You know, I'm not sharing who said it, but um, this is an area we might want to think about next for professional learning. Melinda, well, what do and you see? Or instructional just... coach where you work alongside, let, let's yeah. look at this issue and, and work with it together. I know a bit of background research. You know your kids really well. Let's do this together. Mm. Yeah. So what, um, yeah, I mean, it was really like a big huge tide turned here <laughs> um uh, where suddenly like everybody was going towards science of reading um and structured literacy is is really what we call it here and it just happened more and more um uh, our our government has has kind of dipped their toes in with some decodable texts which have turned out not to be great um and in a sort of a program which I don't wholly agree with. So, I, but I, I feel like a lot of them are kind of going for something just because, ah, they're doing it. I must do it. Yep. It must be good. So, so from what I'm trying to do myself, because I, I work with the students, but I also have a responsibility to support the schools and the teachers. So I'm trying to kind of do it that I'm going to, show the professional knowledge so i'm going to be like well this is you know well this is balanced literacy you know we do this and and this you know this is important but this is important too and so kind of trying to inform teachers so i've held some workshops um but it's yeah it's not easy um yeah it's not easy because yeah it's just it really is all pervasive but i think it's just about trying to find common ground and for me, finding out everything I can, so because I feel so much more sure in what I know that I feel okay having those conversations. Whereas mm -hmm. before, when I didn't know things, it was I, I I got a bit nervous. But now knowing knowing what I know, I I would feel fine talking with anybody about about it because I feel like you know from reading texts like this, I can 
back myself up, you know, mm -hmm. which is, it feels quite good. Yeah. 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 He, Athelbach condensed a lot of research into pretty, fairly short text. And uh, it's, yeah, that's why I wanted to reread it and kind of go back over some of these key pieces so I can have it almost like a, a knowledge asset to come back to. And um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just any um, closing thoughts on uh, part one of the book and what you're anticipating next. Part two is on teaching readers. So examine the factors. So he'll go into the five different factors um, and really more on, on what actually influences readers. Uh yeah, I, th I think it's a really good, um, uh, yeah, that word summary is really good. And the fact that it's short, it's, it's really accessible for um, a teacher to read, you know, like who isn't necessarily a big professional reader um, of, you know, of professional text. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's got that kind of uh, summing up feeling. Mm -hmm. And yeah. So that's good. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what, how it could be used a bit more practically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna hone in really on like that. Chapter three, where he had the definitions and concepts and some of yeah. the things that we really need to have our head round um, uh, when we are having conversations, I think with, with others. So we are on the same page. Yeah, what chapter was that? Three. Um, three, yeah. It's like a page. Concept, yeah, 21. Mm. Yeah, that's a page you want to, that's a chapter you want to bookmark. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like cognitive. What, what is it again? Um, oh, cognitive. Yeah, I still need to, I just, I've had to like or, read the definition so many times. No, it's just, I think it's just something we've not really been exposed to much. You know, it's just, yeah. you said it's, it's mostly been focused on skills and strategies. So this is, um, but, but you know, no a really nice point like um, saying you don't know that term mm -hmm. like we, we've all got to stay as learners and not yeah. be resigned so this is the answer like um, it's just too conclusive and, and mm -hmm. as you said earlier Belinda you know a, a different kid different situation different yeah. life circumstance like you've, sometimes you've just got to throw out everything you know and start again and yeah. really yeah. puzzle um, how to help some children yeah yeah I uh, I appreciate all of these um, these insights into you know how to read this text it's really important to get together and talk about it because it's just just in your head it's it's just information but when you hear it from different perspectives different countries um, it really helps to expand it and build upon it and I personally am looking forward to rereading the chapter on executive functioning and metacognition and mindfulness, just because it was just reading an article, rereading an article by Nell Duke and Kelly Cartwright, where they had the active view of reading. If you've not seen mm -hmm. that, yeah, you know, yeah. they revisit the simple view of reading and, you know, and embed engagement and embed motivation and executive functioning. But one of the studies they summarized in that article, it was through um, reading research quarterly is, like one third of kids who were unsuccessful as readers and didn't grow as they should had executive functioning skill uh, deficits. You know, they had ADHD, they had um, a processing maybe disorder. Um, but um, that I, I see that 
at least in mm -hmm. my school, of kids who, who cannot focus and who cannot, you know, even if you bring the most relevant text, um, they're just unable to attend to, to reading for real long. And that's, you know, I don't know of an intervention other than medical interventions or um, mm -hmm. therapy or, or what have you, then it's a, that's a, that's a tough one to untangle. So I'm looking forward to reading more about that. Think about my own students in my school, our school, and how we might help them. So yeah. Um, yeah. Well, with that, I want to thank uh, Belinda and Sally for joining the conversations tonight. It was a rich discussion, and um, uh, Belinda will be at LitCon in Yay! in uh, Ohio. I'll be there too, and. Um, so if you're going to that, it would be great to connect. And I know a few other people in the community are going to be there too. So, but uh, yeah, we're going to, this book study will wrap up mid-December and we'll have one more Zoom and probably, I think it's on the 15th. I haven't posted it yet. So if you couldn't make it for this one, you're listening, but couldn't make it, you're part of the community, um, look for a invite or a, an event with the Zoom link in there. And with that, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. So, yeah.